we have reached episode 10 of Hang Out in the Holy Land for this uh, hell of a year that's been 2020. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we're, we're a little bit late, obviously, on, uh, due to the unfortunate cancellation of the Illinois game this past weekend, but uh, we are ready to go with a uh, fiery preview of your upcoming Michigan State game this weekend uh, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Gene Ross. Gene, how did you cope with the sudden loss of Ohio State football yet again this past weekend? Well, you know, it sucks. You know, much like the Ohio State football schedule, the, the podcast has been a bit in flux lately. Uh, you know, I had I had Matt jump on me last week just to talk about, uh, you know, playoff implications and stuff of that nature. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been weird, but, you know, hopefully, you know, it looks like we're as of Wednesday night when we're recording this, all systems are go for the Michigan State game. We still don't really know who's out or, you know, what. I mean, the game could still not happen, but it's looking like it's good to go. So that's good. We'll hope for that. Um, Ohio State basketball is currently wrapping up a win with Moorhead State. Uh, I got a COVID test, a 15-minute uh, COVID test, and I found out I don't have COVID. So if Ohio State needs me to play this weekend, I'm good to go. And uh, that's where I'm at. Well, congrats to you. I'm glad you uh, came back negative, and uh, I, I sure hope we get the game this weekend. Uh, I was actually this this was the second weekend in November that I went back to Ohio. I went back for Thanksgiving because my parents just moved to Columbus, went to visit them, got canceled. And two weeks ago, I was in Columbus for a wedding and also briefly visited my parents since they had just moved there. And the Maryland game got canceled, too. So my, my plan for the rest of the year is just to stay entirely out of the state of Ohio so no more Ohio State football gets canceled. Because I'm very worried if I go back for Christmas that the playoff game somehow is just going to get thrown out. So Yeah, George, George uh, is banned from Ohio until further notice. Yeah, unfortunately. But I'll be back 2021. And uh, hopefully we're all you know vaccinated and any football voodoo is, has been purged and, and we're all ready to go for another fresh year. But... Uh, before we get to the end of the year, we've still got a full month ahead of us as well as a game this weekend that at initially, I think at first, you know, if all things had gone according to plan last weekend, this was probably going to be the least interesting game uh, left on Ohio State's schedule. Uh, Michigan State has not been good this year, at least prior to last Saturday. Um, I was pretty mean about the demise of their offense and how they've looked post-Antonio and just thinking that they were – probably destined to be the next Rutgers of the Big Ten and everything is trending downwards and they can't throw the ball at all and you know their their defense is not up to the standard that it's been in years past and then out of nowhere they they just pull a win over a top 10 team in Northwestern out of their butts and uh they went up 17 to 3 at one point in the third quarter um I, I'll be honest, I thought that their first touchdown, at least, was just a little bit fluky. I don't think Rocky Lombardi has aired the ball out like that at all this whole year. And I think that probably close to half of their total passing yards for the game came off that uh, first touchdown that they scored from very, very deep. Um, but, yeah, I'm Michigan State, all of a sudden, you know, they pull off one upset over a top 10 team last weekend and you're suddenly wondering are they going to be able to do it two weekends in a row um i'm not totally can i'm not totally afraid of them but i certainly after you know what my expectations were going in last weekend and then seeing how the northwestern game went and then coming into this game where i guess ohio state's technically had two weeks to prepare but uh, they certainly weren't prepping for Michigan State last week as they thought they were going to play Illinois. 
Um, so another bit of a tumultuous walk into this game, sort of similar to the one that they had with Indiana, and obviously that didn't turn out the way most people expected to. So this this little state of flux that the entire season uh, finds itself in, and certainly the Big Ten Conference at this point, um, definitely is giving me a little bit of cause for concern going into this game. I don't know if you feel the same way, Gene, but I am a little bit cautious. Yeah, well, anytime I see Michigan State on the schedule, I'm reminded of that fateful day in 2015 where nothing made sense and Ohio State somehow lost a game to a Michigan State team that wasn't very good. They lost 17-14. Michigan State didn't have their starting quarterback. It was raining in Columbus. It was cold. I was in the stands. It sucked. But I, I, don't, th- I don't see that similar kind of voodoo happening this year. What I am happy about is that um, Ohio State was saying, you know, as long as they, as long as they had the ability to practice by Thursday, they'd probably be okay. And luckily, they've had this whole week. They they came back. They usually have Mondays off anyway, and so they started practicing again on Tuesday. So they've had a full week of practice heading into this game. And like I touched on before, we don't really know who's out for this game. I don't imagine it's anybody huge. Like I, I don't, I don't foresee Justin Fields not playing in this game because he has COVID, but I, mean, I guess you never know, but I don't foresee that. I think that'd be a bigger deal. And I don't know if Ohio state would be trying to play as hard as they are, if that was the case anyway, but either way, um, they're definitely, they'll, they'll be missing some guys. The, uh, the last, last report we got was that it's, it's people that are important, but it's nobody that's going to derail the season. So it's not going to be one of the, the stars, but it could be someone important. And this Michigan State team has, has showed their, they can do it against some of these bigger programs. I mean, their, their win against Michigan early in the year doesn't look as good with how bad the Wolverines have been all year, but it was an impressive win over Northwestern. Their defense looked really good. Uh, they picked off Peyton Ramsey twice. They, they forced two fumbles. So a lot like Indiana's defense where they're forcing turnovers, but that hasn't really been the norm for them all year. They're, they're minus nine in the turnover margin this season. So I don't really foresee that kind of thing happening against Ohio State. And I really think that Ohio State has to go into this game, you know, knowing that just not only how important it is to even play the games to get, you know, into the Big Ten title game, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later with how ridiculous that whole scenario is, but... They, they need to look good. You know, they're, they're still in that fourth spot in the latest college football rankings, but there's some competition behind them now. Texas A&M and Florida are both, you know, pushing them from behind. And the committee, you know, the committee clearly wants to put Ohio State in. They know Ohio State's one of the four best teams in the country. But with the, the games they've had on their schedule so far, and it's, oh, there's only a few of them, they haven't exactly dominated any opponents. And if this, if Ohio State really wants to make a statement this weekend, they, they've got to put some big numbers on the scoreboard and impress the committee and, and show the rest of the country that this is a top four team for certain. I, I would agree with that. I would also agree with your point about the turnover margin that you pointed out with Michigan State not being very far in their favor. I think that that's probably a big reason why you can chalk up to their win over Northwestern uh, last week being a fluke. Um, as you said, Peyton Ramsey threw two picks against no touchdowns. Uh, Rocky Lombardi did throw one pick. Um, I'm not sure if he or anyone else on Michigan State fumbled the ball, but you know, in, in games where you have these, you know, kind of slim margins and spent particularly in games where the underdog jumps out to a lead um, in the early stages of the game, uh, turnovers play such a huge role in the momentum and the way the game script just unfolds that uh, it can, if you're not on the positive side of the turnover battle, it can obviously end up drastically altering things in your favor, which unfortunately is exactly what happened in Northwestern uh, this past weekend. But the fact that Michigan State hasn't consistently been able to come out on top of the turnover battle, combined with the fact that uh, Lombardi threw, they scored 29 points, but Lombardi only threw for 167 yards. He only completed 11 of his 27 pass attempts. Uh, So he certainly did not play a great game for a quarterback, and they still ended up winning. And truth is, that 
you can make a case that that was the best QB game that Rocky Lombardi has played all year um, because Michigan State's passing offense has been that bad. So you, and to that point, you know, I it, it makes me worry about how much uh, style points Ohio State is going to earn this weekend um, because this is very much an opponent that I think fits the script of what their games have been all year, which is we go up three to four scores in the first half because they can't keep up with uh, the passing offense and Olave and Garrett Wilson are just running circles around whoever their defensive backs are. Uh, they go up three or four scores at the half, and then they just kind of coast. And it may result in the other team outscoring Ohio State in the second half. It may not. But Ohio State does so much of their work up front that they don't really worry about needing to hang around for much of the second half. And they can kind of conserve energy and you know not really show their whole hand with plays. And uh, then they don't you know have to worry about that as much. It At Michigan State, with how bad the passing offense is, I think that they're going to jump out to a very early lead and it's just going to wrap up into that, that narrative again. And it makes me wonder, um, you know, how much missing the Illinois game for them hurt because that was going to be another great opportunity for them to tune up things that they needed to tune up. They didn't get to do it. And when the same thing happened with the Indiana game, uh, when they missed Maryland the week prior, they didn't have an opportunity to stay fresh and work on the things that they need to improve on. And they went into the game and uh, they got beat in a lot of the same areas that we were hoping to see improvement on. The run game certainly looked better. Uh, we would hope to, you know, still see positive signs of improvement against a pretty good rushing defense, I would say, this weekend. But, yeah, I, I, I just wonder, and I, and I especially wonder if you feel the same way, that do you think that these games getting canceled and Ohio State not getting to play into them you know, it's easy to theorize that, oh, they're not having to, you know, exert themselves in a game. It's basically a bye week. So, you know, it's a good thing. But is it really a good thing? Because I right now I'm, I'm looking at it and I think that it's definitely not good. Just strictly from a playing standpoint, forget about eligibility issues. Ohio State not getting these games that they need as the schedule winds down is not keeping them fresh and in rhythm. And for me, that that poses a great concern going into the uh, last part of the schedule here. Yeah, and I, I talked about this with Matt a little bit this past weekend, how I, I do think that like losing these games, that even if they are just pushover games against uh, Maryland and an Illinois team, is really like uh, is, is a big miss for Ohio State in just terms of getting getting up to speed and getting to where they need to be to make a run in the playoffs. These games are not like they're not going to be resume boosters. The committee isn't going to look at a, a 63 to 10 win over Illinois and be like, oh, well, now Ohio State serves to make it. That's not what it's about. Ohio State doesn't get a chance to see the twos into games, see if they have guys on defense at the safety position, at the corner position that could step up in a game where they actually need them, not when it's just a blowout. They don't get to like it's they're basically like practices, but it's game reps. And like those those games are really important. You saw Alabama earlier this year let up like a billion yards to Ole Miss. And now having played a bunch of teams, their defense looks really good. And they've gone up against some really weak opponents, but it's allowed them to kind of test some things out and figure out what, what's wrong. And now they've corrected it. And now they look like the best team in the country. Ohio State hasn't had that luxury. Bama's played like eight or nine games at this point. I don't even know how many, but they may have played even more than that. But the Ohio State's only played four games. And they, they haven't had a chance to correct some of these issues that have plagued them early in the year. And I think that is that, that hurts them more 
I think missing these games is more a detriment to their actual level of play on the field than it is to them not making the college football playoff. I, I think there's a good chance that yeah, if they don't get to play at least these last two games, they're not going to be ready to take on the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Notre Dames of the world once they get to the playoffs because they just haven't had a chance to work out their issues in a game where like they, they knew the game was in hand. They All these games they've had to play down to the final whistle, and you can't be really testing things out when the game is still a worry. And we just haven't gotten to see some of those lower opponents that allow you to do those things. And I do think that could have an effect on them in the long run. The the good news, though, is, as we've talked about, uh, the Michigan State passing offense just isn't it. And actually, I can now clarify a point I made earlier. Uh, The first touchdown for Michigan State last weekend was a 75-yard bomb to Jalen Naylor, who I'm – First of all, I'm fair, I'd be fairly certain that that's Michigan State's longest TD of the season by uh, at least 50 yards. Um, but I would also, um, you know, I, I, I think that that, you know, references the point that Lombardi had 167 total passing yards for the game. So almost all of his uh, yardage for that entire contest, I don't know how early they scored it. And it was fairly early on. I'd say it was in the top half of the first quarter. So you're saying you take that away and for, you know, we'll call it eight minutes plus the additional, what, uh, 45 after that. I mean, you're talking over 50 minutes where they only were able to put up not even 100 passing yards during that. And granted, Northwestern's defense is exceptional, um, but it just goes to show you the kind of struggles that they've had this year. And why if, you know, the the secondary for Ohio State is obviously in desperate need of a tune-up game. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about Michigan State's offense is they've done kind of a lot of that stat padding this year. If you actually look at their offensive numbers, somehow they're 48th in the country in passing. And then I look at Rocky Lombardi's numbers, and I I don't understand how, because he's thrown for a little over 1,000 yards with eight touchdowns and eight picks. And that's in one less game than Justin Fields, who has over 1,200 yards with 13 touchdowns and three picks. So I don't understand how they got there. Their offense overall ranks 112th because they're 122nd in rushing. They're one of the worst rushing teams in the country. But I don't know how they got their passing numbers up into the top 50 in college football because I watch Rocky Lombardi here and there, and it just seems like half the time he's throwing it up with his eyes closed. I don't I don't know how they got that. I guess it's with just those big plays. But, I mean, as we saw against Indiana, Ohio State is kind of susceptible to those big plays. So maybe, they, maybe they're ready for that. Maybe they're, that's, that plays into their favor a little bit, and maybe they can get some passing going, and maybe this will be a good test for Ohio State secondary. It is. It's interesting that you say that they're not an effective team rushing the ball because rushing, I think, is arguably how they beat Northwestern other than getting the, uh, you know, those. The I, I will say the second passing TD Lombardi had was great. It was a really nice uh, throw into the back corner of the end zone that kind of just dropped in the bucket for his receiver who had a bit of a step on his man. That was a great throw, not taking anything away from him. Um, but I, I would think that after those t- early scores, the rushing the ball, even though it didn't yield any points technically was at least in terms of touchdowns, I think rushing was still how they were able to get the win last week. And it, it's pretty funny in that victory, Rocky Lombardi actually finished with a higher yards per carry average than he did, uh, yards per completion average. He barely beat it out by about a third of a yard. And Michigan State had a had a running back that took the ball uh, 24 times for about four yards per carry, and just uh, if he had gotten one more, he would have finished with 100 yards on the day. So I wonder if I wonder if maybe their you know commitment to the run, which you know played out as at least 
somewhat effective, I think, certainly more effective than 112th uh, best in the country uh, to this point this season. I wonder if running the ball maybe was was part of the reason that they were able to be a little more effective in that game. But I don't think that they're going to be able to have that same success against Ohio State. And if Ohio State does go up early, it's going to force them to throw more often. And then the secondary is suddenly going to find itself in another stress test. And You want to hear, want to hear would, a fun stat about Michigan State's run game? Their sure. only <laughs> rushing touchdown of the season is from Tyler Hunt, who was a former walk-on kicker converted to mm-hmm. a tight end this season. He has their only rushing touchdown on the season. That is scary. They're, they have a two running back system between Connor Hayward and Jordan Simmons. They both average around three and a half yards per carry. Neither of them have crossed 200 yards on the year. But like you said, they did rush for 195 yards as a team against Northwestern. I think that was their their best rushing performance of the year. I haven't I've been double checking that in the background, but I got to find that. But I, yeah, their, their rushing has not been... It's not the best when your only rushing touchdown through five games is from a former walk-on kicker. Right. And they did. And, you know, they, they ran the ball almost 50 times last weekend, which I, I would be shocked if they even got, you know, close to or above half of that total in the other games they've played. Maybe the Michigan game just because they were leading for that one. But they certainly aren't used to playing with a lead, which I think might explain why their rushing numbers are down so much. Um yeah, that but, was their that was their highest rushing total of the year. Their other, their second highest rushing total. Take a guess who it came against. Uh, uh Michigan. Yep, yep. The <laughs> only the only two games on the year where they've gone over sixty rushing yards was their one hundred twenty six against Michigan and one ninety five versus Northwestern. I was tempted to say Rutgers, but the times they are a changing. Um, yeah, Michigan State's the new Rutgers now. But any event, I. Uh, I if Rocky Rocky Lombardi should not throw for more than what 250 yard and even that's I mean I saying 250 when I don't I'm not even sure the guys eclipsed 200 once yet this year I mean that that might even be inflating it a little bit but I mean Ohio State secondary has just been that unimpressive uh, through this part of the season and I I saw so I'm looking I. I don't want to quite say I'm looking forward because what we've seen so far hasn't been great, but I am eager uh, to see how the defense plays this week against a team that we know that they should really put the clamps on. Um, I would really, really hope that Michigan State doesn't make it out into the double digits and points. I know that's probably a little audacious given the other performances we've seen from Ohio State's defense this year. But this is really, I think, suddenly a a a put up, and that, I don't want to say put up or shut up because it's not like if they, you know, uh, it's not like if they only win this game by single digits, their entire season is in jeopardy. But you you really want to see this uh, defense come to play this week. This is really going to be a good litmus test for the rest of the season. For are you able to at least get the job done against a team that is clearly less talented than you and, and very overmatched in almost every other respect. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it works out. I'm not entirely optimistic based on what we've seen so far. But if they don't come to play this week, I mean, if, if Cade McNamara is still rolling with Michigan's offense, which, I mean, I know they didn't really do as great last weekend relative to – how they did when they they thrust him in against Rutgers for the triple overtime win. But 
you know, if he's still running at least a halfway efficient offense, and then you've got whoever they end up playing in the Big Ten Championship, which, is the, well, it is going to be Northwestern at this point. I think that they clinched it by now. And Peyton Ramsey has given Ohio State, you know, some consider. I don't know about considerable, but he's, he's made them a little uncomfortable in the in some of the previous meetings. Um, this is the last weekend, really, for them to prove that they can hand, that they can take care of business. And uh, I, I hope that they're able to do it, but it's I, I just don't know which way to feel about it one way or the other right now based on what we've seen. Yeah, I, I think anything short of a double-digit victory this week is is cause for concern. I, I, Michigan State isn't as bad as I thought they were. I think they, you know, they're not great. I, I said a couple of weeks ago that I thought their only win of the season would be Michigan, and that clearly wasn't true. But I, I do think they're a, a bottom-of-the-barrel team in the Big Ten, even below Rutgers. And if Ohio State isn't winning this game comfortably, then I then there's definitely some massive concerns, especially this late in the year. And I know they've only played four games. I know they've had some COVID issues. They had a game canceled. They missed some practices. Whatever. There's some there's some other outlying factors going into this game. But I just think level of talent on the field. Once you get out there, Ohio State has to dominate this game, especially on defense. Uh, they shouldn't be letting up the amount of points they let up to Indiana. You know, Rocky Lombardi isn't terrible, and they've got the Jalen Naylor and Jay, and Jaden Reed are two good wide receivers, but they're not. Ty Fry Fogel and Wap Fillior, they're not even close to those guys. They're good, but they're not the elite level like those guys are. And so if, if Ohio State's secondary is struggling in this game, then there's really some cause for concern. And I, the playoffs are, are really like far away concern at that point if you're if you're struggling against this Michigan State passing offense. Uh, on the defensive end, Michigan State's not not bad. That's, that's how they won the game against Northwestern. They're 49th in the country in total D, 49th in the run, 71st in pass. Uh, so they're not terrible, but I mean, 71st in passing, Justin Fields shouldn't be throwing multiple picks again. Hopefully this is a good, good chance for a bounce back performance for him after his, his less than stellar performance against Indiana, his first really, really bad game as an Ohio state quarterback, even though he still threw for 300 yards. But you know, this, this is a game where it is a get right game. This is, you gotta, you gotta come out. You gotta look good. You got, you gotta win big. Uh, it's, it's in Sparty. It's in East Lansing. They've had some history there. You know, Ohio State, when they went to the national championship in 2014, they're, they're one of their biggest wins of the year was in this stadium. And so they kind of need to recreate some of that magic if they want to really ease some of the minds of the fans going into a hopeful playoff race. So let me paint a let's let's paint a nightmare scenario then for uh, you and the rest of the Ohio State fans. So game kicks off and uh, Lombardi, much like last weekend, gets some some fluky points early. Maybe Fields takes a couple or more, you know, sacks that he probably shouldn't. Maybe somewhere on third down and they're forced to punt. And you're looking at a situation where Ohio State is down not, you know, a ton but down by more than one score uh, in the first half of this game. And uh, Michigan State, you know, has the ball back. And uh, it's it's just not looking very comfortable or the way that it should be for Ohio State. Now, even in that scenario, you're still thinking in your head, they just got to, they just got to commit to passing the ball. Um, just getting, or, or at the, not even passing, just at the very least getting the ball in the hands of Olave and Wilson. Um, and uh, they'll be able to, you know, blow the doors off them and come back and they put up points too quickly. But in that scenario where Michigan State finds themselves in a similar position to last weekend where they've gotten out ahead of their opponent, how, what do you think, they, the way that they won the game with Northwestern was, Win the turnover battle, 
uh, play very good all around defense and uh, commit, get the most that you can out of running the ball when you really haven't gotten it that year. They needed all three of those things and they got them. Uh, do you think that those are the same three things that they need to beat Ohio State? Uh, is there anything else? Or, uh, and what do you think the likelihood is that they're able to do all three in the event that they are able to get an early lead? Yeah. And I mean, we saw against Indiana that even if you turn Ohio State over multiple times, they're still going to drop over 40 on you. I don't think there's a defense in the country that's equipped to keep Justin Fields and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson under 40 points. And so I think even with a, a almost perfect defensive effort from Michigan State, I don't think they could put, they could stop them from getting that amount of points. And then I don't think they have the offense to really keep up. So even if Michigan State's playing well and they're keeping it kind of close early, I just don't think they have the necessary firepower on offense, especially without any semblance of a running game, to really keep up with Ohio State and keep things interesting more than just through like the first quarter. And if that is the case, then this Ohio State team is is not it. I don't know what else to say. If they if they're if they're in a in a close game with Michigan State in the fourth quarter, then this is not a national championship level team. That's just what it comes down to. And it's tough with everything that's gone on this year. They haven't got, it's been stop and go. They've been off and on. It hasn't been easy for anybody across the country, but especially, you know, in the big 10 where there's no room for error every week. And so I just, if they look slow against Michigan state early, that's okay. Cause they're coming off a, you know, a weird week, but if they struggle throughout, then it's, it's an issue. And I don't, I don't think Michigan state has the offense or the defense to put Ohio state in that kind of game. But I mean, I guess we never know. This weird 2020 COVID season, anything could happen, I guess. But I would be very, very concerned at that point. That was a very effective way of answering a very long-winded question I just posed to you that had, like, multiple asking things. So thank you very much for that, Gene, and putting course, up for my, my question-asking style. And the thing, the thing is, too, like, <laughs> I would say that, like, I'd be worried about Ohio State falling out of the playoff in that scenario, even with a win. But with the way that the, the rest of college football is set up right now, nobody in the country wants to make the college football playoff outside of the top four. Like, are you going to put in you're going to put in Texas A&M, who, whose good win is Florida, but, like, they haven't really beaten anybody else. They barely beat LSU last week. They weren't impressive. They don't, they're not going to play an SC title game. I really think Ohio State's only threat, if they don't lose a game, is if Florida beat Alabama in the in the uh, SEC championship. But other than that, it's not like there's you know three or four teams on the outside pushing Ohio State. I guess maybe Cincy if they wanted to go that route, but I don't think they're going to put in Cincy over an undefeated Ohio State. I, and so I think the it, committee yeah. that doesn't like Ohio State would jump at the chance to do that just to twist the knife. Yeah, I, they could, but I just think that like <laughs> even if Ohio State plays poorly, as long as they finish undefeated, they'll make it. Now, whether they deserve to make it or whether you'd want them to make it at that point if that's the kind of team they have is another story but I just don't think that playoffs playoff implications are on the line if they don't look great in this game I just think that they got to win yeah I I would hope so but I think the committee's also shown in recent years that if if Ohio State gives any excuse for keeping them out they'll capitalize on it uh to in favor of putting in you know whatever other teams are up for consideration particularly if they're SEC teams um, but we haven't gotten quite to the playoff yet, so uh, we won't just open-endedly speculate on something that's still a couple weeks away. Um, but let's before we get into you know predictions, because I know we just kind of combined how you know we think Michigan State can win, but also how we expect Ohio State to win the game. Let me let me ask you these uh, two quick things. So we we talked a bit on the last show about how we think we. Need, or how we think the defense needs to be fixed. 
Um, you had mentioned, I believe, with the coaches have brought up in interviews last week that they they were considering personnel changes. Uh, I know we were, you know, kind of spitballing some ideas last week, but I'm curious if you've, you know, thought of anything more concrete, just in terms of stuff that you would do with respect to moving players around uh, right now that you think would yield better results than uh, what we've seen for the defense. Yeah, well, it's going to be tough this week is that, you know, for the start, I guess they'll I, they'll probably release the uh, availability report before the game. They said last week before the game was canceled that they're going to release it two hours before game time. So I imagine real quick do... before you get into it, that was actually going to be my next question was given they didn't release the eligibility report or weren't planning to until Saturday. Do you think that we see it Friday this week like usual or is it going to come out Saturday the day of the game? No, I think they'll still come out Saturday just because they'll want to do one last round of testing on Friday night. Okay. But um, it's going to be tough this week to really know which decisions are like personnel and like and like actual like on field play base or, or versus like who is out with COVID. Like if if a safety or a corner is out with COVID, that kind of changes the 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 equation here of like what what are they doing? Because like I I mean I will know that ahead of time because we'll they obviously won't be on the sideline and they'll be on the availability report. But mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting just to see you know, from a coaching standpoint, how they handle those things. So I don't really think, honestly, we're going to learn as much in this game as we possibly could, especially if some guys that, you know, are usual starters or, or guys that were pushing for a spot in the rotation are out. So I guess we'll we'll kind of have to wait and see how that works itself out. But if everyone on the defensive side, or at least the guys that play, are healthy, and we see, like, say, you know, Josh Proctor moves to the one high safety and they bring in a Ronnie Hickman to play the bullet or whatever, push those around, then like then then we have stuff to talk about. Then we have actual like this is stuff they put in practice, they saw on film, they're making changes, and they're trying to fix this defense. Um, but I think outside of that, it's going to be tough to really learn things this week with everything going on and how weird it's been leading up. I doubt they've had really uh, they've had a full week of practice, but I doubt they're really focusing on that more than they are just staying healthy and getting through this game. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, and on that note, uh, Marcus Hooker, you, you seem like a nice guy. And uh, your brother, you know, we're grateful for what he did while he was a Buckeye. But, uh, you know, feel feel free to stay home this weekend uh, if you're not, you know, feeling up to it. Because uh, it, it's funny. I went I, – I, I, I want to apologize to Seven Banks because uh, I, I was pretty hard on him last show. And while I do think that there are some effort questions involved, uh, at least just on, you know, going full speed, uh, I, I – I will say that the touchdown that I or the long play that set up Indiana's first touchdown that I said he gave up was actually uh, it was Marcus Hooker jumping the route for the first of what was about like two or three times that game that ended up directly leading to points. Uh, so the, the the big guy that needed the adjustment based on the Indiana game was Marcus Hooker, which is why I think there was so much speculation about uh, personnel changes. And I, w- I would agree with your assessment that I think that moving Proctor to high safety and then finding someone else to fill that bullet position. I su- I actually suggested seven banks because I thought, well, he doesn't, I don't know if he's got the speed to play corner. His, his shallow cover skills are still very good. And I think that he's got some good run support ability just because he's a bit of a, uh, a, a thicker or a girthier corner, if you will. 
Um, so. Yeah, and I'm re- I'm really hoping we see a legend Cavazos or a or a Cam Martinez or someone of that ilk this week. And now that he's had you know some extra time to call off his injury. Uh, obviously, Marcus Hooker hasn't played great. I don't think anybody in the secondary has really played great, including like Sean Wade and some of the stars back there. Like I, I think every player could improve. So obviously, there's there's stuff to build on. But uh, I do think we'll see you know at least some guy. We'll see more of a rotation at the very least. We've really seen the same guys on the field every single play on defense thus far. At least in the secondary, they're rotating more on the defensive line, but not. In the secondary and so i do think we'll see at if, if not a full like starter change we'll see a better rotation of guys this week than we've seen through the first four games is it legend cavazos yeah so we've got so we've got a we, we've got a master a, a steel and a legend all on the same Ohio and, State and a roster. seven I, I love it and a seven too how could i forget a seven numbered seven that, that makes it all the more fun all right. Well, that's that's most of the open-ended stuff that I, I wanted to talk about. So I guess uh, let's just get down to brass tacks. Uh, we both think this is. Uh, I mean, every every game's a must-win at this stage, but this is a must-win pretty game. It's not going to be enough just to you know eke it out, what thirty to twenty or or something like that. You definitely want to see at least three-score victory good offense and a big suppression of uh, the other team's offense by the Buckeye defense. We don't know if it's going to happen, but we know that if this team wants to be taken seriously as a title contender, this is the week where they have to absolutely start proving that they belong in that conversation um, on, you know, in an argument other than just on paper. So Gene, your prediction how do you think this game plays out? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that this is finally the week we see them come out. I think they're, you know, not that they're pissed about their missing their last game because it was, you know, I was like, not to say it was their own fault, but it was obviously their own COVID outbreak, whereas the last game they missed was the other team's outbreak. But I do think they realize there's a sense of urgency here that they have to figure things out and they have to do it quickly. There's not a lot of time left in this year. Uh, I mean, depending on what's going on over at Michigan, this could be their last game of the regular season. So they really have to look good. I think this. I think they're finally going to get some things together on the defensive end, whether it's just change of scheme or change of personnel. And I think Justin Fields really is itching to get back out there after his performance against Indiana. So I'm going to say Ohio State wins this game 49 to 10. I think that Michigan State maybe gets an early touchdown, like somebody trips and one of the safeties slip, or they get they let up one of those long <laughs> pass plays that they've gotten, and everyone's going to freak out that Ohio State's defense stinks. But I think from there they they pull it together and they they keep they keep uh, Michigan State under at least 20. I would hope, and they they win this one big finally. Well, it's funny you say that because my prediction is going to be that they win 49-20. Um, I, I think, I think 49 is a good target number for them, uh, much like you just for the offense, but look, uh, we're, I know they've only played four games technically, but you know, we're into December and you obviously want a bigger sample size, but this stage of the season, you are what your transcript says you are. And what this team has consistently been so far is a team that is willing to, show up in the first half in a big way and then coast in the second half against a team that they don't really feel that threatened by. And I think what you're probably going to see is something like a 42 to three or 42 to seven halftime score where Ohio state's absolutely taking care of business in the first half. And then you potentially see them get outscored in the second half because the, the foot isn't as far down on the motor and uh, Michigan State just gets a little bit desperate, and whatever leaks are existing in the secondary, we haven't exactly seen them plugged yet. 
Uh, we were hoping that that extra week with the Maryland game being canceled would give, you know, the passing defense a bit more time to figure things out. And uh, the way they thought they figured things out was by putting linebackers and man coverage on the edge against uh, slot receivers. And uh, pretty much everyone that was tasked with doing that getting burned in some way on film against Indiana. So they got a little bit too creative uh, with their problem solving, which makes me wonder if they really like know what they need to do to fix this problem. And there's plenty of time left for them to you know innovate and try to get guys better and more experience and just feeling more comfortable with wherever they're scheming guys into. But I, the, the gap between the Indiana game didn't help them figure it out. I really don't have any reason to believe that uh, they've, they've figured it out since based on, you know, the, the Illinois game getting canceled and we haven't seen what this team looks like since Indiana. So I, I'm, I'm a believe it when I see a guy I haven't seen it with this defense yet. We know how great the offense is. We know that almost any team that they're playing at this point, they can basically throw the ball to Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave every play, and they're going to be competitive from a scoring standpoint. The question is just going to be, is the defense showing up or not? And they haven't shown up for four quarters in one game this year. I think that they'll probably be there in the first half of this game, just given how un- intimidating the opponent is on the offensive side, but they've disappeared in the second half of almost every game they've played. And until they don't, that's what I'm going to have to assume happens. So Ohio State wins comfortably, but I don't think that it makes you feel any better about the problems that we've seen so far. We also have to remember too, I just, you know, I clearly blanked my mind until you said something about, you know, letting up in the second half. This will be the first uh, head coaching appearance for Larry Johnson. Is he still gonna, he's still going to be coaching this weekend, not day? He will. He'll still be, yes, he'll still be coaching the game. Day is not outside of that 10-day window. So Larry Johnson will make his head coaching debut this weekend, God willing. And uh, we'll see how aggressive he is as a head coach. Maybe he gets out to a really big lead early in the first half and then just says, you know, I just want to get my guys out of here healthy with a win, whatever, and they, they let up some points. But we don't we haven't seen Larry Johnson head coach before, and it'll be a fun thing to see him patrolling the sidelines. He deserves it. He's been there forever, and uh, it'll be fun. Well, it'll be great next weekend when Ohio, when Ohio State wins 63-3, uh, and uh, the, there's a contingent of the fan base that's calling for Larry Johnson to replace Ryan Day and uh, demote data, I don't know, recruiting director or something. That'll be, that'll be fun to have to deal with that. Um, but yeah, it would be, it would be nice to see a 63 to three win. That would certainly make me feel better about things, but uh, I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd love it. I personally, I'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, granted we, you know, I, I have nothing but good things to think or say about Larry Johnson. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how, the team responds to him coaching this weekend, as well as, you know, how much, um, you know, where the play calling authority goes and what, you know, what the defense ends up doing, what kind of adjustments they end up making. And then all it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, too, if whatever they do end up doing carries over to when day comes back or if they make further adjustments based off that. I'm so excited. Be... I'm excited for Larry Johnson to use his guys in every possible scenario. Like we're going to see Zach Harrison getting carries at running back and uh, 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 Tyler Friday <laughs> going out to catch pass. It's going to be great. It's going to be all deep. We're going to revert to trust the ball. It's all defense all the time. And Ohio State wins 10 to 3. Yeah, the, the punt is the most important play in football. That's what uh, that's what over a decade of watching Trestle taught me as a child. Um, I will say I don't think Northwestern got a single sack last week against Michigan State, so I don't know how good their pass protection is relative to uh, their passing game. 
But I would certainly hope with the defensive line coach uh, at the helm this weekend that Ohio State's uh, pass rush definitely shows up more than they have at uh, perhaps other times this season. It would be nice to see Zach Harrison play running back, considering we haven't seen him that much on the defensive side of the ball, just giving him snaps either way. And on the flip side of that, Michigan State has only has five sacks on the year. They're 109th in FBS and sacks, so should be a cleaner pocket for Justin Fields this week. Yeah, assuming that Michigan State doesn't run any delayed blitzes, because uh, that's what totally tripped up the offensive line against Indiana, unfortunately. I'm sure they will if they watch the Indiana game film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with having all this stuff on film man is that you know coaches are smart and they'll they'll put that in and even if the i mean so much of football is just you know scheming and getting guys lined up in the right spot that even if the talent isn't necessarily there if guys are you know in the right spot and they know what their job is and they just try to do it to maximum effectiveness i mean sometimes that's really all that it takes especially you know on if you're just overloading the line with a blitz and there's just more guys they are going to be able to get in and then, you know, Fields thinks he can make the play and then ends up taking a sack. So I would I would hope we don't see a ton of sacks based on what you just said. But, man, it's uh, there's still a lot of question marks that need uh, need answering coming into this weekend. But uh, we, we've spitballed about it long enough. Um, it is Michigan State after all. We will hopefully see good results. Like we said, 63 to 3 would be wonderful. But uh, as we as we just said, Gene and I are both feeling the somewhere in the 49 points and letting up between 10 and 20 on the other side range. So we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, assuming everything holds, we will be back. Uh, we we can vaguely promise this time Sunday with a recap of the game. And uh, just some, you know, introductory thoughts heading into a big one the following weekend against that team up north. And uh, we'll have a preview show for that game later next week as well. But for now, we're eagerly awaiting Sparty in East Lansing. So uh, for Gene Ross, I'm George Eisner. Thank you for tuning in to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Episode 10. And uh, we'll be back in your ear on Sunday. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you Sunday.